This is a War Machine Rhino. What's up? This is TJP. This is a Swingman Johnny Swinger. This is Father James Mitchell. And you're listening to Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis. Total Nonstop Analysis, Daddy. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to episode 37 of Total Nonstop Analysis. I am your host, as always, Carmen Michael, joined by KP. How you doing, KP? I'm doing wonderful. And we're not alone this week. Returning for the first time in a while, please welcome back Kylie, a.k.a. Davis. How you doing? Hi, everyone. I'm sorry. I've had some issues. I'm back now. We've missed Love you. Love y'all. We've missed you. <laughs> Of course, this is episode 37 of Total Nonstop Analysis. We are continuing our journey of showing KP and Davis the joys of old school TNA. And we've got a good one for you today. And that is TNA Genesis 2005 from November 13th. The show opens with a memorial graphic for Eddie Guerrero. And then we go into our typical opening package where we see the words a new age spliced with videos of plants growing and politicians giving speeches all with shots of tna stars sprinkled throughout in the in the pantheon of tna intro videos it's not bad not bad not the best but it's not bad kicking off the show though we have raven making his entrance to the ring to join championship committee member Larry Zabisco. Zabisco reminds Raven that he's the one that put his hands on him first. And he offers his deal one more time, saying Raven can sign his release papers and walk out of the door with all of his money. Or he can stay and have Zabisco make his life living hell, which there are plenty of people from Raven's past who are willing to help. So first of all, this dude's being offered a chance to just go home <laughs> and still get paid all of his money. Like, come on, dude, just take it. <laughs> I love you, Raven, but come on. <laughs> He's been offered a modern WWE contract. <laughs> Oof. Kylie's first show back in a while on uh, 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 they're already shooting. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah, I'm questioning the decision making of Raven here, especially when they threw in you still get to keep all your money. And we're like, hmm, stay and have my life be turned into a living hell, or just take all my money and go home. And Sorry, if if Walmart told me that I could go home and still get paid. I would absolutely do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> no questions asked. I mean, if Walmart tells us now, hey, you can go home early, even if I don't have 40 hours, I'm like, I can go home and not get points? Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit there. <laughs> Sorry, Walmart, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, Walmart, if you're listening, fuck you. Oh, Jesus. Larry Zabisco questions if Raven's girlfriend is getting in his head. And that's when Raven snaps one more time, lunging for him and grabbing him by the throat. Zabisco scrambles out of the ring to welcome Raven's opponent, P. 
PJ Polacco, the former Justin Credible from ECW. These two know each other very well and have had quite an extensive history in ECW. They have a good back and forth match. They counter each other's finishers multiple times with Raven catching Polacco's super kick and locking in an ankle lock. Polacco escapes, but is hit with a Raven effect with Raven picking up the one, two, three. Not a bad opening match, especially, you know, we're used to getting the uh, X division kicking off most of these shows. Yeah, I think it's a nice little refresher to have it's, something different for an opening match. This wasn't bad at all. Uh, just, you know, usually we get like a tag match or, you know, like you said, the X division, but just for an opening singles match with a big star, wasn't bad at all. Good, you know, good story I mean, going. Hell of a way to start a pay per view off with Raven. Yeah, I liked the callback yeah. to wrestling history. Obviously, I feel like the wrestling fans there in attendance got a good little nostalgia pop out of it. Yeah, it does tell a good story, especially with Larry Zabisco saying that there's plenty of people from Raven's past who are there that can help make Raven's life a living hell. Yeah, commentary did reference to the fact that PJ Polacco felt held back in ECW because of Raven's politicking. So we're going to be seeing the uh, ghosts of Christmas past, it seems like, for Raven. (laughs) Oh, I uh, uh, I mentioned from the start of the show. Uh, I do. Uh, I appreciate that they had the Eddie Guerrero thing because uh, from what I was reading, apparently this happened on the day he died. Like this, this show was a few hours after it got announced announced that he died. You would be correct. Eddie Guerrero passed away in November thirteenth, two thousand five. So, really this makes it awful. all the more remarkable. That yeah. these people are going out and wrestling on the same night. Yep. Yeah. I made a little side note that when the show started, when they were panning across the crowd, there was tons and tons of Eddie chants. So people, people knew and people, people, people missed him. People still miss him to this day. I was actually talking to Prescott the other day. I was like, I wonder if he was still alive today. Would he be wrestling? Would he be in AEW? What he would be doing? It's just crazy to think what could have been. I don't know if he would still be wrestling at this age. He would be in his mid fifties, but I could imagine him having, you know, some sort of coach role, whether that be at you know performance center or with AEW. Just I can see him mentoring and teaching. That, I mean, that, but also, I mean, look at Sting. Like, I think he could have like a Sting role where he's like, you know, does sure. a does like a tag match, and it's very like protected, and he gets to hit a few spots and. I think it could work. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's been a Can you imagine Eddie Guerrero coming out each week uh, as like a manager for Andrade? Whoo. That would be fantastic. I don't know. I kind of think, I think I'd rather see him paired it with Sammy. People, people compare him to Sammy to Eddie all the time. I think that could kind of work too. Eddie Guerrero, obviously one of the legends in the business. Someone that is still one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I don't really know of too many people that had or that were as well-rounded as Eddie. You know, he had the charisma. He had the in-ring ability. He just seemed to have it all. And, you know, I still miss him. I think about it quite a bit. 
I have had my eye on a pair of these uh, chalk line shorts that y'all may have seen. They're that company that does wrestling themed sweatpants and basketball shorts and all that. But they've got some like Eddie Guerrero Halloween Havoc 1998 inspired shorts. And I'm, I've got my eyes on them, baby. It's going to happen. Whether it's for my birthday or whatever, it's going to happen. But either way, rest in peace, Eddie Guerrero. Absolutely love that dude. We then see a three live crew video package before we cut backstage to see Shane Douglas standing by with the team. Shane says there are major rumblings of a major talent acquisition, and he wants to know BG's thoughts. BG says it's no surprise people are jumping off a sinking ship and asks Shane, wouldn't you jump off the Titanic? Before calling out a specific person by the name of VM, whoever that could be. And he says tonight is about family as his brother Kip James is special guest referee in their match up next. Conan says he still does not trust Kip, but he is focused on their match. That match takes place right away. Six man hockey stick on a pole match. Three live crew taking on Team Canada. They have six pipes that are attached to the ring posts, all with a hockey stick slid inside. Just to give you a visual at home if you haven't seen this. Conan takes the mic before the match to shout out the late Eddie Guerrero during their usual opening promo. Team Canada try to get a head start and grab the hockey sticks before the match even begins, but alas, to no avail. Once the bell rings, BG and Bobby Roode start, but on the outside, Eric Young puts on a soft helmet before climbing to grab a hockey stick. He enters the ring and goes to hit BG, but is caught by Kip, who scares Eric and then breaks the hockey stick over his leg. How are y'all feeling about the uh, new paranoid slash scared Eric Young that we've seen for the last few weeks? I don't like seeing Eric Young uh, scared. <laughs> it's, it's odd no, because of, of what I know of Eric Young. Yeah, I mean, even though I've not been here, I have been keeping up with it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like... He's he, what I know of Eric Young and not how he is. This doesn't make sense, but you know, maybe there's a bigger story here. That's a trait that they brought back quite a lot in TNA. I feel like Eric Young is similar to, say, like someone like Kane, where they can do pretty much everything as far as character wise. So the company trusts them to put them in pretty much any position, whether it's a comedy role or like a serious heel role or whatever. Like Eric Young, like his character just bounced around so much. I think he did pretty much everything <laughs> under the sun that you could imagine. But the uh, paranoid thing would come back every once in a while. It's a, it's a weird choice, but you know, I love Eric Young, the comedy wrestler, but I also love serious Eric Young. So, I don't know how to feel about it. It's it's all right. Not loving it. I'll just say that. 
not loving it. Commentary mentions that Coach Demore is not ringside as he is backstage trying to recruit the new acquisition. Three Live Crew get the win after using a hockey stick between the legs of Eric and hitting their patented top rope leg drop. After the match, it seems like Three Live Crew and Kip James are all on the same page, though, KP, including Conan, who accepts a fist bump from the ass man himself. So that's it, right? Everything's wrapped up with a nice little bow. We can move on. Is that I what don't you're think gathering, so. KP? I really don't think so. <laughs> I really don't. I just not- love the look on your face every time we talk about the three live crew Kip James storyline because I can just see it. You're like, get it over with because it never is. I feel like we, we've been doing this, this uh, storyline for two years now. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I, 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 I know what's going to happen because I don't want, I wouldn't try to look for spoilers, but damn it, Davis, when you're looking up TNA things, spoilers happen, but I don't know. I don't know. Like they should have ended this last year, I think. No this. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying they should have ended it. I mean, I know too, but we can't let KP know. Yeah, but it's just, I don't know. They should have ended this four or five pay-per-views ago, I think. I agree. <laughs> Backstage, we are with Shane Douglas, who is standing by with the Monster Abyss and Father James Mitchell. Tonight, Abyss faces Sabu in a no-disqualifications match. Shane Douglas asks what they think of the new talent acquisition, and Father James Mitchell says he does not care who it is. They better not get in the way of the monster. He then turns his attention to Sabu and proclaims that like Superman to Kryptonite, Abyss's weakness is barbed wire. Abyss has had a long, torturous past with barbed wire, and Sabu has opened Pandora's box. And while he understands that a person of Sabu's intellect may not get it, he will provide a visual clue. Father James Mitchell then produces an egg. The egg is dressed like Sabu. Father James Mitchell says this is Sabu and hands the egg to Abyss and says, and this is Sabu on Abyss. While Abyss crushes the egg between his hands. He literally just stole the this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs thing. (laughs) Didn't uh, Pee Wee Herman do that commercial? Side note. How amazing would it be if we just swapped out Father James Mitchell with Pee Wee Herman for Abyss? Oh my God! <laughs> but but he has to cut the same promos as James Mitchell. Yes, little, absolutely. Like, make it seem like Pee Wee Herman's just been watching CNN all day. <laughs> Abyss gets scared of the barbed wire, but Pee Wee runs to going. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> God. Yes. This is a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> I think we're on to something here. Oh my god. Could you oh imagine? God, that's fucking great. Abyss and Pee-wee's Playhouse. All of a sudden. He's sitting sudden. there with he's like, oh Cherry. Then Cherry starts talking, and then he's like, yeah. What do you have to say, Abyss? And he just stands there and goes, Arr! 
Spartan flexes <laughs> and like wrestles with his chains. And then and then Abyss says that, and then Pee Wee Herman's like, "What? I couldn't hear you." He pulls out a giant ear. Oh God. <laughs> We're on the we're on the gold comedy gold here. <laughs> Dolly. <laughs> then you bring in Jim Cornette, right? It doesn't matter who he manages, and then you have them feud. He's like this goddamn motherfucker out here pulling out all these fucking props, all these bells and whistles. This is fucking wrestling, motherfucker. You don't need all that bullshit. I feel like we need to add William Rotunda as well. I feel like he would fit perfectly in this because of his, you know, previous roles. No, this is Pee Wee Herman versus Jim Cornette. The feud we didn't know we needed, but now we do. That's true. That's very true. That would it's be absolutely. just crazy. Got to give the people what they want. Is this what right now? Want? Is this what they want? You look at the track record of Father James Mitchell. You just can't win them all. He's one of my favorite promos. And for years, it seems like was doing great promos in TNA. It seems like these last few weeks, every one of these has been like either really weird or corny or I, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of felt that from the beginning that everything he says is either weird or corny Whoa. or just does not make sense. Or Hold on now. Weird sense or it's like, what are you talking about? Listen here, Kylie. How dare you? You don't make fun of James Mitchell, okay? Just because he watches CNN and cuts and writes his promo notes like that. You sure it's you sure it's CNN, not Fox News? He watches. That's friend of the podcast, Father James Mitchell. To you, Kylie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Kylie, okay. he does our intro to the pod. You can't besmirch the name of Father James Mitchell. I didn't say he was a bad person or anything. I just said, you know, we. He will eviscerate you and tear you limb from limb because he has the weapon of a mass destruction abyss. Uh, okay. I just love the fight. Just leave your face. At you're least, like so fired up and then you're like, ah, it's not even worth it anymore. <laughs> at least uh, it always happens when we have fun. Yep. Once we start the impressions and once we start making puns, you're just like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just grumpy Kylie. I'm just gonna, hey, I'm just he, gonna stop talking now. <laughs> at least James Mitchell isn't like uh, Raven. Uh, last week we, we literally heard Raven basically like say he did like the mildest thing, and he just like throw make, makes the promo out of nowhere it's like carmen said he he spilt coffee on his hand is like that coffee eviscerated my hand <laughs> raven the intern is still a gimmick that i want to see yeah yeah Kyle, if you didn't oh, listen to oh, the last oh. episode raven can be jim Cornette's intern yes you goddamn motherfucker out here spilling my fucking coffee i'm how am I supposed to get my fucking work done when I can't have any fucking caffeine? You useless motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, Kylie, it's now canon that Raven uh, has an a intern gimmick where he files uh, papers and gets coffee for people because of uh, people working day jobs as well as TNA. All right. Keep up with the product, Kylie. 
Yeah. <laughs> Product from, from 16 years ago. Let's speak up. Well, I, I meant from the podcast that dropped yeah. yesterday. Yeah, Kali. Mm-hmm. Now let's you don't even listen to the product. Let's talk about the product of the acquisition. Ooh, segue. The greatest jump and T in a history. They say this is the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the moment that we knew was happening i mean literally just today like when we watched the show but we see some feet exit a limo so first of all my thoughts are where the fuck was shane douglas he should have had his head in that window of the limo immediately like who's in the limo who's in the limo i'm here to get an interview yep i feel like shane has really been he's slacking. uh slacking it's a shame it's a shame. But back in the arena, we hear some music start to play with a countdown on the screen ticking down 10, 9, 8. The crowd is starting to build with anticipation. Finally, it hits zero, and on the screen flashes Christian Cage. And the crowd loses their minds in the impact zone. Christian makes his way to the ring while Mike Tanay just screams at the top of his lungs how huge this is. Christian grabs the mic as the crowd chants TNA. He says he guess you can imagine the question he was asked the most this week. Is it true that you're going to TNA? And if so, why? He didn't come here to see the same guy say the same thing each and every week or see a grown man dressed as a doctor pulling things out of another grown man's ass, which gets a huge amen from Tanae, which, uh, first of all, y'all know what segment he's referring to, correct? In WWE at this time, Jim Ross was off TV. I don't know exactly what. What was happening? I think he was getting colon surgery or something along the lines of that. So naturally, WWE being the wonderful place to work, Vince McMahon was in a skit backstage with Dr. Heine with a butt hanging in the air and then reaching in and pulling out a assortment of gags like a wristwatch and barbecue sauce. All the meanwhile, you hear a voice off the side going, my God, my God, my God. And Jr. didn't know about this at the time because nobody cleared it with him. And he didn't find out until I believe his wife or his daughter or someone called him while he was in the hospital to be like, what the fuck was that? So if you listen to him talk about it, it still sounds like there's a little bit of resentment there. I'm not. I'm not surprised. No surprise at all. I, 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 fucking terrible. I still kind of question. Like, was it was was that company ever good? Like, because I go back and I see things that WWE did or WWF did, and I'm like, what the fuck? I know it's a product of you know yeah. some things are a product of the times. No, hold on. WWE has absolutely been great. 
in chunks. Yes. Yes. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm what I'm gonna getting at. Like, you know, I know some things are a product of his time. I know some things. But it's just they make jokes and they do this and that, and I'm like, man. That leads me to my next point, though, which is uh, Mike Tenay in this segment. I love Mike Tenay. Let's just let's just get that out of the way. Were either of y'all annoyed with him constantly interjecting himself into this? It seems like after every sentence or two that Christian Cage would say, like Mike Tenay was his hype man in the background yelling out pretty much the same thing. Like yeah. the one that sticks out in my mind is Christian Cage said something about him being Captain Charisma. And Mike Tenay yelled, that's his nickname. Like, <laughs> like dude, just let it, just let it breathe. I mean, like his every few sentences. They also should have done this better. Like, honestly, I don't like the fact that they just had him walk out. I think it would have been better for, for them to just keep his debut as what they had at the end of the show. But also, why in the fuck would you ask him the question of, is it true that that you're going to TNA? He's fucking there. He's not going to be like, oh, no, those rumors are false. I came here to... Uh, deny those rumors as I head back to WWE. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> he says he damn sure was not fired or lowballed on an offer from where he just was. The reason he came to TNA is the same reason the fans are watching in person and on pay-per-view. And that's because he loves wrestling. It's really a, uh, it's funny looking forward now to 2021 when we had a promo rather similar a few weeks ago where someone pointing out that the difference between WWE and wrestling. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like with 2021 eyes that this Christian Cage debut we just saw like a few months ago at Revolution and to an AEW. Like it seems almost beat for beat the same thing. I mean, there's a few differences here and there, but you know, the theme song is almost exactly the same. You got the countdown. You know, he's not saying he's outworking everyone in TNA, but still. And then we'll get to it here in a minute. And I want I'm not trying to get get ahead too much. But he calls out he calls out the 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 main champion. I'm like did Tony Khan just like Genesis 2005 do that? Well, I see your point. This pay-per-view did not have Christian walk out and just sign a contract that was on a podium and then walk to the ring to look around and then leave. <laughs> okay, I, I know that. But like the next night on Dynamite, he comes out and he calls out Kenny and, Omega. And, and, and also maybe on this, somebody Mike, was looking for him. Mike. <laughs> On this one, Mike Tanay, as he's walking to the ring, is like, oh my god, this is the biggest talent acquisition we've ever had. When in AEW, it was, this is a Hall of Fame level talent coming in for like weeks. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, Which, would, have been, it would have been great if they would have had Paul White uh, just uh, uh, stand behind him and just do like what Mike Tanay did and just repeat everything. <laughs> by the way... How great is it? I'm not sure if y'all caught it in the. Uh, it was after the AEW show with Christian and CM Punk in the ring, where Christian said, "Oh, it's one heck of a debut. Definitely not underwhelming there." 
just <laughs> taking a jab at his own <laughs> introduction to AEW. I loved it. That's hilarious. The, the, the I, best. The I best, laughed so hard. The best thing on that was was fucking Kazarian going, "All right, let's kick this motherfucker into full gear," and then uh, Punk going, "Wait, that, that's the product. That's not the next pay per view. That's that, that's another pay per view. I, I just got here and I know. <laughs> I just know the next one. This guy's been here since day one. He don't know the next pay per view." <laughs> That, that that whole statement was just the greatest thing ever. Also, uh, while we're on the subject of Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian, there's a uh, awesome ladder match these two have that hopefully we'll get to sooner rather than later. So keep your fingers crossed for that one. While Christian is talking, though, we go backstage to see Planet Jarrett watching on a monitor and losing their mind as Jeff Jarrett says, I told you, I told you they're coming and they're taking their gerbs. And then we cut backstage to another area where Monty Brown and Shane Douglas are watching along. Christian Cage says he may be known for his jokes, but he is one of the best wrestlers today. When he turned on impact last night, it reminded him of a time when he first started on TV and there were two companies. One was old, stale, and lacking direction. The other was a new, refreshing, and cutting-edge product. And that was the company he was working for. Today, that statement is still true, except the new, exciting company that he is a part of is TNA. That's still true today. Today, that statement is still true, except the new exciting company he is part of is TNA. It's a good thing uh, Christian kind of stuck to that motto, don't you think? Seems like history repeating itself, Davis. This is so reminiscent of, of, of the AEW stuff. <laughs> like I said, it, it feels like it feels like Tony Khan went back of like, he was just watching some old TNA. It's like, wait a minute. We got, I'm we sure got, he does. We got Chris. We should, we should put Dark in the impact zone. <laughs> okay, that's it. Uh, I'm on the media call tomorrow with AEW. I actually have to ask Tony Khan if he'll be on our podcast. <laughs> it's all TNA with us. <laughs> Don't all think right, Kyle that. Prescott, you are up next. What question do you have for Tony Khan? Hey, uh, I have a I have a podcast. If you'd like to come on it, we just we just talk about old TNA. He probably he probably be like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I would love yeah, to. Yeah, that absolutely. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, and, and all, just, all of a sudden, I'll, just reach out to me on Twitter. We'll we'll, we'll we'll arrange something. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I uh, I get kicked from uh, all media invites after that. <laughs> Let me know what Tony says. Okay, I will. We're gonna do it. Uh, I think it'd be great. Make sure you unmute your mic. It'd Our numbers the, are going to go through the roof. It'd be the, the longest uh, podcast that we've ever done because Tony would not. <laughs> We'd be like, all right, all right, Tony, it's been an hour, 15 minutes. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. It's like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. I got all day. <laughs> Let's just talk wrestling. It's like, oh shit, guys! I just missed. Uh, I just missed my uh, 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 transportation over to, to the, the arena. I'm gonna be late for Rampage. <laughs> but for real though, let's make it happen. Tony Khan, if you're listening, and I know you are, <laughs> I know you 
absorb every bit of wrestling content out there. You got free reign to come on the podcast whenever you want, buddy. (laughs) But back to Christian, though. He says he is here to be the biggest thing in the company. And he has a couple things to say to Jeff Jarrett. One, don't wear white pants after Labor Day. And two, he is here to win a world title for the first time. This cues Team Canada's music and Scott Demore and Bobby Roode walk to the ring. Demore says he's been looking for him all night and nobody is happier to see him than he is. He shares some memories with Cage from their time in Canada and says he knows everyone wants the NWA title. But Christian should know the importance of politics and offers him a role in Team Canada. I'm sorry. But Christian should know the importance of politics and offers him a role in the Team Canada Planet Jarrett Alliance. Christian goes to ask a question, but is stopped by Bobby Roode, who is rather fired up. The crowd seems rather surprised to hear him talk. He says, there are no questions. He has an opportunity to walk into the place that Team Canada have been building for the last three years. Roode tells Cage he is either with them or against them and demands an answer right now. But the situation is calmed down by Coach Demore who says he doesn't have to have an answer right now, but he does need one by the end of the night and hands Christian a Team Canada shirt. Christian takes a look at it and says, well, it's the right size, but it's going to take some time to see if it's the right fit. So a little intrigue heading into uh, the main event. Uh, Imagine if they would have got the wrong size if they would have thrown the shirt and Christian was like, oh. It's like, come on, bro. You really think I'm an XL? Come what on. What the hell? <laughs> Just like baggy. He's like, oh, I can wear this to sleep, but like, can I get one to wrestle in? <laughs> I love it. Oh, God, it's great. We then have our number one contenders match with Monty Brown taking on Jeff Hardy. Before the match, we go backstage as Shane Douglas makes jokes about Christian Cage and reminds Brown that if he loses this match, he may very well be placed at the back of the line. Monty says they can joke all they want, and Christian definitely reeks of something. He calls out Christian and Jeff Hardy and says he's worked too damn hard the last few years to be denied. The only thing the two of them will acquire is a pounce. Period. Once the match begins, they quickly go to the outside and use the barricade and their environment to the advantage. To their advantage. Back in the ring, Hardy is favoring his lower back, but still manages to hit all of his greatest hits. We're talking whisper in the wind. We're talking about the between the legs leg drop. We're talking about the reverse twist of fate. But all this only gets him a near fall. Hardy then goes for a swanton, but takes a little too much time and Monty moves out of the way. Monty takes advantage and hits a huge pounce. 
for the pinfall victory. Monty Brown is your new number one contender for the NWA title. So this was good, but I still have, I still think it, I don't know. I don't think they clicked as well as I was hoping they would. Like it was a good match. It's just certain parts of it seemed off or weird or like miscommunication. Um, I'll put it this way in my thoughts on it. Ever since Hardy was suspended for no showing a pay-per-view, obviously you can tell the company's not happy with him because it seems like he's racking up L's like they're going out of style. But it just seems like he's not into it anymore. Like, I don't know. He doesn't seem invested in it like he was when he first came to TNA. He just seems kind of... Well, I covered mm. that on the last episode. He's busy at his day job as a painter. <laughs> but really, though, when he comes yeah. out and he's on camera, he just doesn't look like yeah. the hardy of old. <laughs> and, he lost his smile, Carmen. He, he's got to go find his smile. <laughs> I mean, he didn't even take his shirt off. Like, what the hell's going on? Whoa, with well, I thought that was in his contract. I thought that was like 100%. No matter if he has a match, if Jeff Hardy comes on TV, the shirt has to come off. You know, you would think so. I feel like he's breaking the contract right there. I'd be pissed if I was TNA. Well, but, if... If I can spoil something for you. Oh, God. He's not going to be in TNA much longer, is he? No, he's not. I figured so. <laughs> so, obviously, our next featured Friday. E, as our next featured Friday say. is September 10th, and that is featured Friday's tag team wrestling. But our next featured Friday after that will be Jeff Hardy, as by the time it releases on September 24th, we will have reviewed his last match in TNA for quite some time. Wow. Sad face. So here we are, the second to last pay-per-view of the year. And uh, unfortunately, I'll just get right to it. He no-shows the next pay-per-view. <laughs> no-shows it? No-shows the next pay-per-view. Oh, so God. They end up suspending him, and he's never seen on TNA television until much later down the road. Jesus. What the fuck? So, yes, enjoy your Hardy matches while they last. We have a couple episodes of Impact to review before Turning Point. But, damn. So long, Jeff Hardy. We hardly knew ye. It's awful. But when we do cover our Jeff Hardy featured Friday, I will say there's a uh, a good mix of matches that I have selected. I think you will enjoy them quite a lot, especially you, Kyle. I would love to go ahead and tell you now, but we'll save that. We go backstage. Shane Douglas is standing by with Roderick Strong, Alex Shelley, and Christopher Daniels, and they wonder aloud where... Samoa Joe is. Daniels calms them down and says there's no better man to lead them into battle than himself. This takes us to Elimination X. As we get four-on-four four action, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, Alex Shelley, Roderick Strong taking on Chris Sabin, Sanjay Dutt, Austin Aries, and Matt 
Bentley. There's a lot to cover here. This is a long match. So I will just discuss the eliminations and then we'll talk about the real story here, which is the aftermath. We have Austin Aries eliminating Roderick Strong. Christopher Daniels eliminating Austin Aries. Alex Shelley eliminating Sanjay Dutt. Matt Bentley eliminating Alex Shelley. Samoa Joe eliminating Matt Bentley. And then finally, Christopher Daniels eliminating Chris Sabin. Now, Joe's a little upset because he wanted to pick up the victory for his team. Unfortunately, Matt Bentley tripped him up, and Christopher Daniels ended up beating Chris Sabin with the Angels' wings. After the match, Joe and Daniels are your last two standing. They have a brief stare down before it seems like cooler heads prevail. They give each other a fist bump. And as Daniels turns around to celebrate, Joe charges in with a knee and lays out Christopher Daniels before busting him wide open with a chair shot to the head. He then sets Daniels sitting on the chair with his head against the guardrail and hits a running boot. Joe isn't done yet as he rolls him into the ring to hit a muscle buster. He grabs the chair once more as security slides in the ring to try to stop him. Joe fights them off and then hits another muscle buster onto the chair before finally walking away as security, referees, and even AJ Styles check on Christopher Daniels. Yeah, that was odd seeing Styles walk out there and like give Joe this like disapproving look. Well, even commentary mentioned it. They're like, AJ Styles is Christopher Daniels' greatest rival. And yeah. even he is upset with what happened here. Yeah. Uh, Joe went, no, oh, he fucking destroyed CD. Whew. War of the story. Do not piss off Samoa Joe. Basically. You will die. You will die. But we'll touch up more on that throughout the show. Backstage, Shane Douglas is standing by with Planet Jarrett. Jarrett says he feels vindicated by saying he was right that people were coming in to take their gerbs. He says Rhino, Team 3D, and Christian are only a few examples of what he said would happen. America's Most Wanted says Team 3D are stepping stones and that AMW are the greatest tag team in the world. Jeff says as far as Christian goes, he's either with them or against them. We then see Christopher Daniels backstage being loaded into an ambulance before our video package for the next match, which happens to be a no disqualification match between Abyss and Sabu. So we've learned that Abyss is scared of barbed wire. We discussed this on the last episode where apparently somewhere in Abyss's past. He was tortured with barbed wire or something. They're not very clear. But either way, he is absolutely petrified of it. Sabu enters the ring wearing a cloth over his arm, which automatically scares Abyss out of the ring, which is an image that uh, we're not used to seeing. Abyss, obviously, assuming it's covered in barbed wire, Sabu uses this as mind games and takes advantage early 
They brawl on the outside where Sabu sets up a table. This table comes into play just a few minutes later as Sabu dives over the top rope with a leg drop onto Abyss to go through the table. Inside the ring, Abyss lays out a bed of thumbtacks while Sabu grabs a barbed wire-wrapped chair. Father James Mitchell uses his cane to grab the chair from Sabu, though. And Sabu ends up chokeslammed into the thumbtacks for only a two-count. Abyss then goes to the middle rope for a splash and ends up landing belly first into the thumbtacks. Abyss ends up getting the win, though, after hitting a black hole slam onto Sabu on the barbed wire wrapped chair. Afterwards, Father James Mitchell is begging, almost pleading Abyss to hit Sabu with the barbed wire chair. But Abyss wants no part of it. He backs away, almost screaming with his hands in there, wants no part of it whatsoever. So what do y'all think of everything so far? We saw Christopher Daniels loaded into an ambulance. Obviously, we've got Planet Jarrett with their continuous, they're coming in from the other company, they're taking all of our spots. And then you have this banger of a no-DQ match. So what are y'all's thoughts on these last few segments? It's It's interesting. With the uh, uh, Joe and Daniels thing, and this this match was fucking great though. Abyss and Abyss and Sabu, holy shit! <laughs> where where we going next with the whole CD and Joe thing? I assume Joe's coming after the exhibition title. I don't really know. You that's know. what I that's what I figured. And then of course this this crazy no DQ match was just. Fucking crazy no DQs. Like kind of what I expected when I saw Abyss and Sabu. Sabu. No DQs. This is the insane craziness I expected. I mean, we've but seen also, these two clash quite a bit. So. I mean, I loved it. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like, uh, I. I know Sabu's, you know, known for stuff like this, but man, he's fucking great. God, he's good. That black hole slam onto the barbed wire spot. Oh, man. <laughs> Love that finish. It's a really good finish, especially, too, because it looked like Abyss didn't see the chair. Yeah. He was just hitting the move naturally, and it's like once he realized the chair was there, he freaked the fuck out and noped right out of there. Yeah. Backstage, we see Shane Douglas, who asks AJ what his thoughts are on the Joe situation. AJ says, there's an unwritten code in the X Division, and Joe broke the code and will be dealt with. As for PD and the Canadian Destroyer, he won't be hit with it. That move may be cool, but it is not phenomenal. We then get our championship match. AJ Styles defending his X Division Championship against Petey Williams, who comes to the ring with A1. We've seen this plenty of times before. You know what to expect. A very smooth, fluid match. A1 is thrown out pretty early. 
Styles with an insane phenomenal forearm that turns Petey inside out. Petey attempts a top rope Canadian destroyer, but AJ reverses. AJ sets up for a spiral tap, but is distracted by Joe walking out with a bloody towel. Mm. Petey then crotches AJ and attempts a Frankensteiner, but AJ seems to be a bit fired up at the sight of Christopher Daniels' blood on that towel and catches Petey midair and hits a second rope Styles Clash for the win but for standing tall with the title and staring down Joe. There is some, some stuff in this match, and it pretty much happens anytime I see Styles do anything X-Division-related, where he just goes all out, and I'm like, how can you still do this 20-something years later? Like, I mean, I know he's a little slower nowadays, but even just a few years ago, he was doing amazing matches. Like, AJ Styles... Despite what you may think of him politically or whatever, is an amazing wrestler, and it's just like, holy shit, this guy's, I don't know, man. It's, it's insane what he can do. Yeah, I, did, I didn't watch SummerSlam, but I saw a clip of AJ, now in his mid-40s, still hitting that moonsault into a reverse DDT. And it's insane that he can still do that as, at his age. And I believe it wasn't that long ago, you know, he was still hitting his 450 splashes and all that when he was on SmackDown. So AJ just doesn't seem to. uh, Well, obviously, he's slowing down with age, but it doesn't seem like his uh, moveset is really shortening. And what's really interesting is that I don't ever hear hear of him having any kind of like substance problems or anything. Like, somehow he's just in good enough shape and is able to deal with the pain and, like... Davis, this man doesn't even cuss. I know, right? (laughs) He doesn't cuss at all. This man will say, frick, and he's in his mid-40s. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, props to him. Props to him. Like, I can't do it. What do you think of the match, KP? Dude, fucking, there were some spots on in this match that I cringed at. It was big yikes. <laughs> yeah, basically the face you just made. There was some awful, well, awful spots. <laughs> well, to be fair, that face I just made was from my COVID vaccination. <laughs> my arm's rather well, sore. <laughs> oh, well. I thought- I thought for two seconds. When, when you, you get that today? But I'm fully vaxxed and looking like a snack. Am I right? Hey. I mean, you already look like a snack, but that's not <laughs> the point. <laughs> Wait, so you got that today? Yes. Oh, God. I feel, I feel for you tomorrow. Yeah. It's a shame I have to drive to Atlanta for a wrestling show tomorrow. So Just... I'll be feeling wonderful. Oh. Well, you got... You got... You got Pfizer, so you probably shouldn't be that bad. Apparently, Moderna is the one that, get, that kicks your ass. But just drink a lot of water and take um, God's and shit. <laughs> it's like my fourth liter of water today. But we go backstage. We see Shane Douglas with Rhino and Team 3D. He says if he knows him like he think he does, 
He believes things will be taken to the extreme tonight. Nice little callback with all four being ECW originals. Brother Ray says AMW has done something that no other team has done in 10 years. And that's lay them out in a pool of their own blood and make a mockery of them with their funeral segment. This next line is my favorite of the whole thing. Brother Ray says they haven't made. <laughs> Brother Ray says they haven't made a fatal mistake. They've made a deadly mistake. <laughs> Today I learned deadly is more menacing than fatal. <laughs> it, to me, that line is right up there. It's not n- anywhere near as iconic. But to me, it's up there close with the Sid Vicious. You're half the man that I am. And I have half the brain that you do. (laughs) And then the Kevin Nash promo where he's like, look at the adjective play. (laughs) Or the, uh, or or the, or the, he fucked on me. me. (laughs) Either way, they say, Rhino says tonight is not about titles. It's about revenge, and somebody is going to be gored, gored, gored. Brother Devon says, oh, my brother, testify. And then Brother Ray very nicely closes the interview with the three of them paying tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Now, this next match, I told y'all it was one I was looking forward to. But... I don't think I can fully describe how much I love this match. It gave me all the good feelings watching it. But it's our main event, America's Most Wanted, with Jeff Jarrett taking on Team 3D and Rhino. Planet Jarrett stand in separate parts of the impact zone and challenge their opponents to come after them. Team of ECW originals oblige and give chase. All six men start brawling throughout the arena. Now, I love myself a good fan brawl. I love it when they enter the crowd and start wrestling. Obviously not as much these days. (laughs) Like, it's still kind of awkward watching this. And, like, my brain... Is like, hey, they're not wearing masks. Hey, they're not socially distanced. And I'm like, oh, wait, the world wasn't always shit. <laughs> but either way, I don't know. It's just something fun where there's the chaos of everyone in like a separate part of the building and like the cameras are struggling to keep up. Rhino attempts to pile drive Jarrett through the Spanish announce table, which is located at the top of the bleachers of the impact zone. But Jarrett hits a low blow sending Rhino off the table, but then rolling down the bleachers all the way to the floor, which looked like it absolutely sucked. This match, like I said, is as fun as it is insane. Absolutely loved it. There's tables, trash cans, even a cheese grater. Rhino sets up a table against the tunnel entrance and goes for a gore on Jarrett 
but is hit by a super kick from Chris Harris. In the ring, Brother Ray kicks out of a stroke from Jeff Jarrett, which is something we do not see often at all. No, we do not. Keep in mind how many people Jeff Jarrett have put away with the stroke. We're talking Monty Brown, Jeff Hardy, Kevin Nash. The list goes on and on. Which, you know, some of them kicked out as well. But see Brother Ray kick out of a stroke was kind of odd. Either way, Jarrett disputes it with referee Rudy Charles. Charles pushes Jeff, who turns around into a gore from Rhino, which almost gets to three, but the referee is pulled out right at the last second and assaulted by Chris Harris. America's Most Wanted attempt to hit a death sentence on top of a table. Brother Ray makes the save before he and Devon hit a 3D onto James Storm for the victory. Really fun match. But we're not over yet. After the match, the winners celebrate until Jarrett hits Rhino with a guitar. Team 3D attempt to powerbomb Gil Kim through Jeff Jarrett, who is laying on top of a table. But Team Canada make the save. And right now, this is where everyone, little gears in their head are turning, and they're like, wait a second. Christian still hasn't given his answer. So they put Devon on the table, and here comes Christian Cage with a steel chair. He unzips his entrance jacket to reveal a Team Canada shirt. He hugs Scott Demore while the fans look dismayed, while Jeff Jarrett is celebrating and then hit Scott Demore with a kill switch, much to the dismay of Jarrett whose smile quickly turns into a look of shock and horror. Cage then throws Jeff Jarrett off the top rope, a la Ric Flair, and Jarrett gets put through a table with a 3D as Christian celebrates with Ray and Devon to close our show. So what are your initial thoughts of the pay-per-view, and what do you think of that crazy main event and go-home angle? It's, that main event was really fun. Uh, I don't think you you uh, went too far to, but I want to talk about. There was a spot in there that was absolutely fucking hilarious. Uh, I think it was uh, Jarrett uh, pushed the ref, and the ref hit the ropes and pushed Jarrett back right into uh, Rhino hitting a gore, and it was executed perfectly it was fucking beautiful the way that they set that up what was your spot of the match probably honestly that one yeah, I, that's the one that stood out to me like as soon as i saw it i was like oh that was fucking perfect <laughs> like the, the, that had to take a lot to like really set up because they done it just had perfect timing everything was just done per, uh, uh, uh correctly on that one what about you davis what was your favorite part of this match and then what are your initial thoughts of the pay-per-view as a whole? So I don't, I don't mean to piggyback, piggyback off of Prescott, but that spot, like like you said, like how perfect it was to just hit hit the move, all the right sequences, everybody was in the right spot. Like you, you don't, you, you see that quite often. Sometimes, you know, some, somebody missed time something just slightly and you're like, oh crap, but 
That was perfect. And, and to go back to what you were saying earlier about the whole crowd brawling, I like crowd brawling, but I always get scared that some idiot is going to do something to ruin it and like get kicked out because you you see it all the time. Just some crazy dumbass fan who's like, "Oh, I'm I want to be part of our show." No, sit your ass down, watch the show. So I always get a little scared when I see crowd brawling. But all in all, I think it was a pretty good show and great main event. And you knew you knew Christian was going to do something. You just knew it. Like you you, you know he he's not going to be no team Canada. Even though he's from Canada. What about you, KP? What are your thoughts on the pay per view as a whole? I thought it was a great damn pay per view. I mean, uh, had some excellent matches. Uh, really loved Christian Cage's debut. Uh, even though I wish they wouldn't have done this, the thing at the start, I wish they would have just had him, they would have set it up for him just to debut at the end, not go ahead and show him beforehand. I think it would have been a bigger pop and everything. But, uh, but, yeah, just overall really good pay-per-view. Well, that brings us, as always, to our mailbag, where we answer questions from you, the fans. Our first question comes from Michael Bradley, who asks, what other TNA stars would you like to see debut in AEW? I mean... This one's a no fucking brainer. Monty Brown. Oh, that is a good answer. I would love, like, even as a one-off, like they did with Hoovy, I would love to have Psychosis come in for, like, a match. Or, you know, obviously our friend of the podcast, Shark Boy. That'd be insane. I don't know. I feel... I feel like there's a lot of TNA originals that would be awesome, like Petey Williams in God there with like, a, with like a Sammy Guevara. Like, man, that's money right there. Steal my fucking answer. Or like bring Rhino in. Obviously, I know he's with Impact now, so maybe that forbidden door could be opened. It's Rhino versus Lance Archer. Come on, man. Sounds like a great idea. Do you have any others? Or, I'm sorry. Do you have any others, Davis? Uh, well, I know he's with the other people right now, but in my heart of hearts, I'm always wanting for AJ Styles to be in AEW. Just, just, just so we could have who? Who could he possibly wrestle in AEW? Oh, uh, um, probably. I don't know. Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky would be perfect for him. Yeah, that would be. Actually, that would, that would really be a good match, but but no, uh, Kenny Omega. Like we need like Kenny fucking Omega. We that need, motherfucker couldn't draw a dime if he had step by step tutorial. You done, Cornette? Fuck no, motherfucker. But no, uh, before before AJ gets too old, I, 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 we need to see Kenny Omega. And AJ Styles, both their peak, or I don't know if you, I guess AJ's at his peak now, but just just have them go at it 60 minutes, just tear the fucking house down. And then he can go do whatever. And then AJ can go do whatever. And a question from John Riley. Uh, John asks us, who from WWE would you have liked to see in TNA that didn't have a TNA run? 
Ooh, that's tough. So many of them went to TNA. <laughs> Are we talking like 2005 era? Yes. It was around this time that Chris Jericho left WWE. So could you imagine Jericho in the impact zone? I would absolutely love that. Obviously, I know you could say like, oh, what if John Cena was in TNA? Or what if, you know, Batista wasn't? Nah, man, Jericho would be the answer for me. Jericho would be a good one. I think he could have had an excellent TNA run. My only problem with this question is I wasn't really watching wrestling at this time, so I don't really know who was in WWE and who wasn't and who could be like. But Jericho was the one I immediately thought of. I mean, obviously you had pretty much everyone that ended up being like main eventers, like Cena, Batista, Randy Orton. Yeah, I just typed in WWE roster 2005, and there's a... Yeah, I got some. Thing from the SmackDown Hotel that literally has them listed as if they are like in a video game. <laughs> Another good one that springs to mind, Tajiri. Oh, Tajiri would have been good. What about you, Davis? What do you Ima- think? Imagine if, uh, just in some bizarre world, imagine if uh, Triple H would have jumped ship for some fucking reason. Oh, that would have been wild. <laughs> well, I was I was sitting here looking at that, looking at the roster, and I was like, "What if like Kane or the Undertaker went to TNA?" Like Kane I mean, versus Abyss. Yes. The only thing is, you couldn't bring the characters over. It couldn't be Kane versus Abyss. Yeah, but you could, you could. I mean, you could probably do the do the character without doing the character. I've seen, you know, if we've seen it before. Edge, Edge. Edge, Shawn Michaels. Yo. Edge and TNA would have been great. Definitely. I was trying to think of a few more. Maybe some that you wouldn't... Your mind Lita. wouldn't... Lita. Like, yes. Trying to think of some that your mind wouldn't immediately go to. But, like, I would have loved to have seen... You know, Johnny Nitro and Joey Mercury. That would have been great, yeah. Uh... Say like Shane Helms. I don't know. There's so many. Obviously, Maven. some some people from the 2005 roster ended up wrestling for TNA. Yeah. But like, as far as like just transporting them from there in that time, over. Let's get Maven over there. Yeah, that wasn't 2005, but still. <laughs> so. Un- oh, was it? Oh well, untapped potential there. Actually, I, I just I just noticed here. Uh, apparently, Bobby Lashley was in WWE 2005. Could you imagine him jumping over and having something with with Monty Brown? That would have been great. They just had two one, big dudes. Oh, go ahead. They had one brief stare down on WWE ECW that I can remember. So I know. Uh, I think Monty posted it on Twitter the other day. I don't know, man. There's so many options. I would love to see someone like Shannon Moore or Spike Dudley in the X Division. Someone like Shelton Benjamin there would have been great. I don't know. Obviously, Rob Van Dam. He's a huge name. Like I said, some some of these people did end up in TNA down the road. But just to reiterate, this is in 2005. So 
I would have loved that. This this might get me a little heat with some of our fans, but uh, oh. could you could you imagine Gene Okerlund jumping over and like kind of doing the Shane Douglas backstage interview thing with everybody and like them having kind of like a who's the better backstage interview kind of feud type of deal? I know what we ended in a match or anything, but like you could see them arguing with each other or whatever. How would that get you heat? I don't understand. Because we all like Shane Douglas. People love Mean Gene. I know they do. The greatest of all time. I know he is. Cut the heat part out then, whatever. Well, if we're going with that, could you imagine Joey Styles in TNA? The voice of ECW? The guy who was the voice of Raw for a short time? So just replace Don West and his... Oh my freaking god, that is unfreaking believable. Just with, oh my god. I mean, they say it the same amount of times. I feel like Joey Styles would have been great with Mike Tanay. Did, uh, 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 I know this is at uh, WWE. Did uh, Cole Cabana ever go to TNA or have any kind of TNA run? Yep. Uh, CM Punk's first match. TNA Explosion number 14, CM Punk defeats Colt Cabana. I wonder if it was any good. It's CM Punk and Colt Cabana. Yeah, exactly. It's CM Punk and Colt Cabana. Like, I wonder if it was any good. I'm sure it only went probably seven minutes. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm sure if anyone can make a seven-minute match good, it's those two. Oh, yeah. I'm just busting KP balls. You know also who would have been great from the 2005 WWE roster in TNA? Kid Cash. Like, I feel like Kid Cash would have been a great fit in TNA. You know what I'm saying? I fucking saw his name on there. and I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your questions this week. But we've kept the people waiting long enough. So what's everyone's final verdict? Was TNA Genesis 2005 TN Amazing T N A T N eh? T N acceptable or T N awful. KP, what say you? I'm gonna give it a really high solid T N A. It wasn't perfect, but it was a pretty damn good card. Uh, really, really enjoyed this pay per view a lot. Yeah, same here. I, I'm also going to give it a 10 because it was really good show. Not a whole lot of bad stuff, but there was just nothing that really just blew me away. I mean, Christian was awesome, but still nothing that just gave that extra oomph that it needed to be uh, 10 amazing. I feel you there. I'm definitely teetering on the edge. I love this show from top to bottom. I feel like it's a really well-rounded show. And while I want to give it a TN amazing, I just can't. And to me, I think the main setback was the Monty and Jeff Hardy match, which I didn't feel like Hardy was his normal self. And then followed that by Elimination X, which I I just couldn't get into. I, I don't know why. I just couldn't get into it. But I will give it a high T-N-A. 
But that is all the time we have this week. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, all of our social media links are in the description below. Be sure to share the podcast with a friend. Give this a like, a comment, a share, whatever you can do to help make this podcast grow. We absolutely appreciate every one of our listeners. We love you all so much. So on behalf of myself, Carmen Michael, as well as KP and Davis, we want to thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a wonderful week. This has been Total Nonstop Analysis. <laughs>